good that I did on the bankroll on Thanksgiving is now gone. Thank you, Week 12. Welcome into Fantasy Football Today, DFS on Tuesday, November 30th. Frank Stanfield joined, as always, by Mike McClure and Sina Jad. Today on the podcast, we're going to recap Week 12, take a look at our cash and GPP lineups. Who won our FFT DFS contest? What did that lineup look like? We've got a new segment. Are you serious? Sia brought it up last week. We're going to have some fun with that. Early Week 13 pricing and some quick Thursday night football preview slash thoughts on showdown for the Cowboys at the Saints. Mike, what is going on? How did uh, how did Week 12 treat you? Week 12 was a roller coaster, like you said. I did all right on Thanksgiving slate. The main slate was okay. I ended up getting there with Big Ben in some spots, but overall was not a profitable main slate. And then last night ended up being really good on FanDuel, not great on DraftKings, uh, being the showdown slate for the football team and the Seahawks. But ended up being an okay week. All said and done, I lost about 2% across all of my sports betting action, all of the fantasy slates. Uh, so, but there were definitely peaks and valleys uh, throughout that seven-day stretch. So, uh, Mike, I don't know if you felt this, but even before the main slate started, I felt okay about Thanksgiving. Before the main slate started, I, I felt I felt pretty bad. It's just I didn't feel good about my cash lineup the past couple of weeks. I did uh, just didn't really feel great about the games in general, the plays. I don't know if you had that same feeling, but if you ever do, what do you do in that instance? Do you just play less volume when that happens? I don't just because the thing that is beautiful to me about DFS is it's the same for everyone. Like we, the pricing is the same for everyone. It's not even like sports betting where if I get to a game before you do, we're betting it at different prices. You can have different outcomes. Like the salaries are clearly defined. We know when the contests start, we know when the game starts. So in that aspect, I don't, but I will say, I actually felt great about this slate, to be honest with you. I was very happy. I was very confident in Big Ben. I was very confident in everything that I was doing. And uh, I guess I was wrong. I was right, and I was wrong. And uh, that's just what makes DFS so fun. All right. Yeah, I like that answer. It kind of reminds me of, you know, someone like playing basketball. Someone complains about the basketball. Like, we're all playing with the same basketball, right? Or, or playing, right. Uh, like, uh, complaining about the referees. They're all playing with the same referees. So uh, I thought that was a pretty, pretty fair comparison there. Uh, see ya. What's going on? How was week 12 for you? So much like you, that, or I, I should say a lot of people. So I did well with the Thanksgiving slate. Nothing crazy, but I did well. But the main slate on Sunday was was really poor. I mean, I... I just to sum it up, I was, I don't want to say I was all in on Tom Brady stacks, but I was certainly extremely overweight on that stack. Some of my punt plays didn't work out, but what it really came down to was Tom Brady just not doing Tom Brady things. Obviously, we'll talk about it. Leonard Fournette got all all the work there with the touch of Ronald Jones, but that really kind of I, I was sort of dead in the water. I did have some Kirk Cousins stacks. Uh, you know, not so many with Thielen, unfortunately, more more with Jefferson. But those ended up working out for me. I think we'll see a lineup of mine that has a Kirk Cousins stack, but then you'll see the lineup with Tom Brady, and that those just didn't work out. And that that's like that's GPP for you. Like you, you know, we talk about it every week. The idea that you're not going to have some really off weeks in GPPs is is kind of ridiculous. Like you're going to have those weeks. Hopefully, your cash games can sort of sustain you uh, when those weeks happen. But there is built in volatility here, and you just have to be able to you know, move on to the next week, trust your process and, you know, hopefully you hit yeah. in week 13. 
I thought there was like a pretty clear game stack there. It was pretty popular in cash actually with uh, with Tom Brady, Chris Godwin, and Michael Pittman, and all of uh, all of those guys let us down. So so pretty tilting there. Seeing Leonard Fournette run, run it in for like what four touchdowns last week. So uh, pretty pretty crazy stuff there. There's a loaded question, Sia, but we we're talking beforehand, and I don't know if you have noticed this, but maybe a shift in the NFL product this season. Uh, it seems like the floor for elite players, quarterbacks, is lower than I can ever remember uh you know people posting pictures of season-long lineups that are scoring like 30 40 points I saw like some cash lineups or I've heard of some cash lineups this past week that you know scored like 40 like again like 50 points I don't know if you've noticed this or have thought about it well what do you think is there any reasoning for this is it injuries defense catching up to offense what says you yeah, I hadn't thought of it until you asked me before the show. I thought Mike's answer was really good. I mean, a lot it, it, it's really a lot attributed to injuries, but like Mike was saying, it's significant players that are getting injured. I mean, if you're in a year-long league, which everybody listening probably is, definitely is, the first five picks in your year-long draft are probably out, you know, or somewhere somewhere in that range. You know, your Christian McCaffrey's, all these really kind of high-volume point scores, and it's not just that those point scores are out that affects the entire team. You know, when Christian McCaffrey is out, now you can focus on other things that you didn't have to necessarily focus on. And same with Derrick Henry. I mean, look at just the Tannehill situation. A.J. Brown, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry. He's yeah. going to guys that most people have never really heard of. So it's not just that there's injuries occurring. It's that the injuries this year, for whatever reason, are happening to high-profile 1A or or number one running backs and receivers and tight ends. And by the way, now we have, over the last few years, we have a lot of these GMs and coaches really trying to prove their worth by throwing in rookie quarterbacks with skill players that really probably don't want that rookie quarterback to be playing. And we see that with Zach Wilson in the drop-off we saw with like guys like Elijah Moore, for example, just this last week. It's one of those things where you know if you force the rookie quarterback's hand, they're probably not going to perform well, and the skill players around them probably aren't going to be performing well either. Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. I've I've never wanted to see Joe Flacco back in the starting lineup before, but crazy, hey, right? Here we are, uh, Mike. Anything else that you'd like to add on to uh, to see his point? Yeah, I'd actually like to add on to that. You know, we have COVID protocols. We've seen a number of players that have missed time mm -hmm. due to right. that, and that's a lot of offensive linemen, defensive linemen that really make or break teams. You know, we all want to talk about skill position players because we play fantasy sports. But the fact of the matter is the line offensive linemen matter as much or more than the average skill possession player. Um, so when some of those guys are out, like we've seen, it definitely can have an impact on the efficiencies there. And then just wanted to point out, like you said, the, the key players, it's absolutely crazy looking at annual, like average value of a contract in the running back position. Number one, Christian McCaffrey already out for the season now, missed a lot of time. Number two, Alvin Kamara, missed a lot of time. Number three, Ezekiel Elliott, now reports that he might be shut down a little bit to be because he's been dealing with some injury. Dalvin Cook, injured. Derrick Henry, injured. Those are the top five. Also in the top ten, you've got Aaron Jones, who's missed some time. Saquon Barkley missed time. Like The running backs that are getting paid, the most expensive running backs, almost all of them outside of Joe Mixon have been hurt. A feather yeah. in the cap for uh, the running backs don't matter community. <laughs> Definitely there. Let's jump into our cash game lineup review. The cash line drops in week 12 all the way down to uh, between 105 and 110. I, I usually play in 5, 10, $25 double ups. And I saw that that range this past week. And uh, we saw four quarterbacks at double digit ownership. Cameron Newton and Thomas Brady. They were huge, huge letdowns. Cam Newton benched 
uh, in the fourth quarter of that game. Tyrod Taylor was fine. Justin Herbert came through. We had four clear chalk running backs. Miles Sanders, 59% owned. CMC, 57% owned. Both held under 8 DraftKings points each. Obviously, CMC got hurt in that game. Daryl Henderson was 40%. James Robinson was 35%. Those guys were fine. Uh, Wide receiver chalk, disaster up top. Michael Pittman and Chris Godwin in the same game were over 40% owned each and combined for 15 DraftKings points. Deontay Johnson, Brandon Cooks, LaVisca Chenault, Debo Samuel, Keenan Allen, those guys were all fine. Uh, And then at tight end, Gronk, massive game, 43% owned, up over 100 receiving yards. Pat Fryermuth was quite good as well, scored a touchdown at 13% ownership. Mike, let's start with your cash game lineup that you sent in here, where you put up 121.12. You go with Big Ben to Deontay Johnson and Pat Fryermuth with Jamar Chase on the bringback. You had Miles Sanders and Dontrell Hilliard at running back. And then Keenan Allen at wide receiver with A.J. Dillon at the flex and the Eagles DST. I think two clear questions stand out to me here. The running backs. How did you decide Dontrell Hilliard over any of the Jets and uh, Texans guys at the time? Because I struggled with that decision myself. And uh, why did you stay on A.J. Dillon even after Aaron Jones was active? I knew I was going to get to stay on AJ Dillon. The reason was is because I was so pissed off at how the lineup was doing that I did not decide to even look or care because <laughs> Ben was awful. Everything right. was awful. And I was like, there's 0% chance I'm cashing anyway. I cannot believe that Aaron Jones is actually going to play. So I'm going to leave AJ Dillon in there because it had been a 50-50 timeshare. <laughs> and it worked out for me. And frankly, AJ Dillon underperformed here. I uh, got stuffed at the one yard line. He was very clearly the goal line back in the game for them. Got stuffed at the one, should have scored another touchdown. Uh, as far as Hilliard, I ended up getting on to Hilliard just because of looking back at how they used him and looking at my projections. And the other thing is I played the Houston Texans defense quite a bit. And I did not need to be so overly exposed to the New York Jets because I had a ton of them. Um, and then as far as Miles Sanders, pairing him with the Eagles defense, just very common thing. Uh, I played Big Ben in pretty much every lineup except for one, uh, which you'll see my other non-Big Ben lineup coming up here in a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't know what to say other than I love the fact that I got Big Ben at 3%. Um, I love the fact that the other quarterbacks that were playable sucked. I hate the fact that Big Ben didn't go out and do what I thought he was going to do because it would have created so much leverage for me. I would have been in such a great spot this week because the other quarterbacks didn't perform. But uh, Ben didn't get it done. Uh, Deontay Johnson came up just short of the 100-yard bonus. Uh, Some of that, a lot of it was in garbage time. But yeah, very fortunate that this week my call to be different and go to Big Ben didn't hurt me because every other quarterback that was relevant kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I was about to say is, you know, I saw some people giving you crap on Twitter about Big Ben, but, you know, relative to the position, he actually wasn't awful. I mean, that's just um, a testament to how bad the quarterback position was this past week, but 11.52, it actually wasn't completely awful there. You know, my, my friend sent me like these funny like TikTok videos of like fans complaining about their teams and this guy's going off about like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, said he had the mobility of a traffic cone, which I actually thought was hilarious. And it was just like <laughs> time after time, him getting demolished, sacked over and over again uh, by the... Uh, by the Cincinnati Bengals this past week. See ya. Let's jump into your cash game lineup this week. And unfortunately, you felt the wrath of that Tom Brady stack, which we mentioned earlier on, where you had Tom Brady with 
Chris Godwin and Michael Pittman there on the bring back. You wind up with 68.64 points here in this lineup. And this is what I'm talking about. Like, I know that you are a better DFS player than putting up 68 points on a given week in cash. It's just like, I don't know. This is like the nature of, of where we're at in fantasy football and DFS right now. How about look, you talk me through the lineup here? Um, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I, I mean, listen, it, it's so funny because if we were going into week 13 and these were the matchups and and you asked me to make a cash lineup, it probably wouldn't be much different than this. And I know that sounds like me being stubborn. And, 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 and you know, looking back, listen, the Miles Sanders thing, like I get it, like Sirianni, he's just not going to do what we think he should do. So maybe we have to start back. We can talk about Miles Sanders later, but maybe we have to back off just sort of that backfield in general. LaVisca Chenault, he's just not being featured like he probably should. So those are maybe two I would change. But listen, Tom Brady to Chris Godwin against the bad secondary, I'll do that all day. You know, I kind of wish I had paid up for Gronk, which I think I did in my tournament play that that we're going to show here in a few minutes. Um, So that that might have been the mistake. I probably could have found 600 to pay up for Gronk. But outside of that, Ayuk was probably not the best play with everybody being healthy on the San Francisco 49ers. That that would probably mean less talk with Elijah Mitchell playing. I thought maybe Debo might get, you know, he'll line up at wide receiver a little bit more and Kittle's healthy, of course. That was probably a play that is a little regrettable. But outside of that, I liked my stack. I liked my bring back. I liked the cheap price of LaVisca Chenault. Obviously, McCaffrey hurt me, but he, he, he hurt half the field. So I can't really complain about him or Miles Sanders considering their ownership. Uh, the Jags defense, I just thought they would at home would create a little bit more pressure, which they have done in the past against Matt Ryan. Speaking of traffic cones, I, I, I'm actually surprised at, at how poor the defense played in that one in terms of creating pressure and potential turnovers. Outside of that, I'm okay with this lineup. It was just it was just a bad day, mainly for Tom Brady. Everything went to Fournette. Uh, one touchdown went to Ronald Jones, and he didn't have to pass the ball a lot at all. Uh, maybe I missed something, but Miles Sanders, his usage only played 33% of the snaps, and it turns out afterwards that he was dealing with an injury. Was that reported in-game, or was it just they wanted to go to Boston Scott? Did you guys see like while that was actually happening? I don't think it was reported in-game. Okay, uh, I know he came back into the game after the ankle injury, but I, I don't know if maybe he, he didn't play much in the second half. My, maybe Mike knows, but I, I think... Maybe the ankle injury was affecting him, but I I can't be so sure. Yeah, so Miles Sanders winds up with 10 touches, 33% of the snaps. Boston's got 51% snaps, 17 touches, uh, does score a rushing touchdown here in this game. So I didn't see anything while it was going on. Like, I was searching Twitter, like, why isn't Miles Sanders on the field? Why isn't he playing? Uh, And I guess, you know, it it turns out afterwards, in hindsight, that he was dealing with that injury. Uh, But yeah, look, Nick Sirianni, the Eagles, like, they're pretty unpredictable in their usage of players. Even the passing attack. I I don't know if this is by design. And it could just be like, these are the players that were open and maybe credit to the Giants defense. But why in any game does Jalen Rager and Quez Watkins have more targets than Dallas Goddard and Devontae yeah. Smith? Like, I, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, but yeah, I mentioned the Evan Ingram play that you had at 3,800. I actually thought it was pretty sharp. You know, no Kadarius Tony, no Sterling Shepard, no Kyle Rudolph, no Caden Smith. Like, they're down two tight ends, multiple pass catchers, uh, Ingram coming off a season high in snaps. I think he played 90% of the snaps the week before. Fantastic matchup going up uh, against tight ends here. The Eagles giving up a ton of touchdowns to the position, which brings us to our new segment and our first ever, Are You Serious? (laughs) You serious? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Are You Serious? The Giants scored one touchdown in this game 
against the Eagles, and it went to a tight end. That tight end was not Evan Ingram. It was a gentleman named Chris Myarik. Don't know if I'm saying your name correctly. He was promoted off the practice squad, played all of 21 snaps entering week 12. It wasn't Saquon. It wasn't Kenny Galladay. It was not Evan Ingram. It was Chris Myarik who scored a touchdown. Are you serious? Um, so that was very frustrating. I can imagine for you as well, Sia. Do you have a pick? Do you have an are you serious pick? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to just belabor Tom Brady, but it, it's Tom Brady. And the are you serious thing, it can be like a touchdown that's called back by a penalty or it can be like getting stuffed at the one-yard line. In this case, for me, it's a little different. It's Tom Brady. Listen, I keep saying that this guy's going for the MVP. I kind of believe that, and I feel like he usually has his foot on the pedal in terms of you know getting some passing touchdowns. But three rushing touchdowns for Leonard Fournette, one for Ronald Jones, and the one passing touchdown happens to go to Leonard Fournette instead of Gronk, who got a ton of targets, mind you, or Evans or Godwin. Uh, it's just a little strange. And in the whole, literally the whole game, I'm like, all right, well, they're they're down. So maybe in the second half, it's Brady time. And it just never was. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Are you serious? We want to have some fun with this too. So if you want to send this, uh, send in some of your picks while the games are going on. If you want to tweet at us, let us know. Uh, are you serious? What are your picks from this past week? Mike, do you have anything anything that, that tilted you, especially this past week? Uh, yeah, Big Ben tilted the, the heck out of me all, <laughs> all, the entire day. Um, watch, you know, I, that's the only game I watched because I was heavily invested in it. Fortunately, the over got there. Definitely not the way I thought it was going to get there, but uh, I was able to cash that over which helped me a lot, but I was, yeah, are you serious, Ben, watching some of the throws that he made, the way he fumbled the football, um, and then are you serious that he was still out on the field to finish the, the game? <laughs> uh, fortunately, he got me to 11 fantasy points, and then I was, are you serious that I actually returned any actual dollars on that slate? Um, so it could be Ben, it could be Brady, it could be the entire quarterback position. Yeah, because uh, there were a number of them. I don't even have my tweet pulled up anymore. But he, Ben, was a better value than Tom Brady. He outscored Jalen Hurts. He outscored Ryan Tannehill. He outscored like two or three other quarterbacks. Jimmy G, I believe, Cam Newton, uh, or right in that range, Cam Newton. Yep, like unbelievable. Like, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's that's where we're at. Uh, all right, so have have a little fun there with that. Are you? Serious from those guys. Let's get through these cash lineups, and I'll just quickly pull up mine. I just missed the cut, 103.78. Uh, I played a quarterback who was benched in Cam Newton. My running backs combined for 75 rushing yards and zero receptions in Christian McCaffrey and Ty Johnson. That's right, Ty Johnson, a Jets running back in my lineup. The rest was fine. Keenan Allen, Deontay Johnson. You, you talked about Ben staying in there. I was happy to see that because I had a lot of Deontay Johnson this past week. Not that it really mattered, but uh, LaVisca Chenault, Gronkowski was good. Had Daryl Henderson and the Texans DST. I texted you guys early on Sunday and said I didn't really feel good about having both a New York Jet and a Jacksonville Jaguar in my lineup, uh, but I wanted to get each of CMC, Keenan Allen, and Deontay Johnson in there. Those were the guys that I... I, I felt most strongly about uh, in cash this week. Um, did you guys see any indication? Uh, see, I'll ask you, I'll, we'll start with you, but did you see any indication that the Jets were going to use three running backs with Michael Carter out? Because I did not. No, I, I really, the, the Andrew Walter, again, for me, and I guess it was it was Schrager who who texted us and was like, this guy's from Rice University, right? Who, which is where Ben went yeah. to uh, college. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, most people don't remember guys who went to Rice University, you know, <laughs> Here's the thing. I, 
I expected Ty Johnson, and I'm I'm a little disappointed in myself that I didn't play some Dontrell Hilliard uh, among some of my lines because we did talk about him on Thursday in the game by game breakdown as as kind of the only guy to to take away from that game. But I thought Ty Johnson was going to get some passing work. I thought he would get some goal line work, and it just didn't end up turning out to be the case. He did have some things that happened in the in the beginning of the game that I think might have affected his his playing time. For one. He's a really bad pass blocker in general. And I was kind of keying in on that when I was watching that game. And I noticed he missed some like really easy blocks coming in where he was supposed to chip somebody or just put some hands on somebody. And he just completely whiffed. And you got your prize rookie quarterback back there. I wonder if his playing time sort of decreased because of a couple of those early moments. And of course, Zach Wilson threw it off his back. Maybe he was supposed to be more aware of the moment there in terms of turning around and helping out his quarterback. I know he was trying to block, but th- there was just a lot of things that might have contributed to this. But no, I, I thought I thought Ty Johnson was going to have at least 10 uh, DraftKings points, if not more. Don't blame that interception on Ty Johnson. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're probably that right. was you're like, probably right. what are we? Oh, man. I watched the entire game, Jets. Yeah, you know, I'm trying to, I want to see I'm any sorry. semblance of hope. Yes, I'm sorry as well. I'm trying to see anything <laughs> to be hopeful for when it comes to Zach Wilson. And uh, there was nothing. He scored a rushing touchdown, but he was quite awful in this game. Mike, CMC is done for the season. In hindsight, uh, should we have been more cautious about playing him? You didn't use him in your cash lineup, so maybe you had some foresight there. Uh, But just given his propensity for injury, I know that you play a lot of NBA DFS, and he reminds me a lot of Anthony Davis, right? Uh, Where he can leave a game at any point. It seems to happen quite frequently with CMC. So what do you think about that in hindsight? Yeah, I mean, look, I I did play him in several lineups still, um, and... It's hard. Like, it's so hard because of the ceiling that he possesses. Anthony Davis is a great example. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. I mean, even that score, like, he, I, I don't know how he didn't score more fantasy points than that. Um, it's, I, I don't even know what to say at that point, honestly. Like, if he's active and healthy and he has been the last two weeks, uh, you're going to, you're going to pull your hair out trying to predict when he's going to get hurt. If he's healthy, you just play him and, live with the consequences and that's the unfortunate result. Um, but yeah, there's not, not much you can do. He's too good when he's in good spots, you play him. Yeah. Yeah. Let's run through our GPP lineups real quick before we get, uh, over to week 13. If you made big money this week, you needed some combo of Lombardi, Lenny, Fournette scoring four touchdowns. Joe Mixon had a monster game. Elijah Mitchell. Sure. You got him at lower ownership because he had that questionable tag, Coming in, winds up with like five receptions, over 30 touches. He was amazing. Adam Thielen, Jalen Waddle, T. Higgins at the wide receiver position. We spoke about Higgins last week. Kudos to you, Mike. Uh, you said, no, nah, I mean, like if the salary remains low, he's going to remain in play. And uh, that's exactly what he did. Goes over 100 yards, scores a touchdown. All of those names checked in at around 12% ownership or less in tournaments this past week. Let's start with Sia's GPP lineup here. Puts up 136.68. Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson with Brandon Ayuk on the bringback. You had the Michael Pittman and Rob Gronkowski mini stack. Uh, And then you go with Joe Mixon, Daryl Henderson, Ty Johnson as your one-offs. Any thought on trying to get the Bengals DSC in there with, uh, with Joe Mixon for that correlation? No, not really, because I, I I think in this case I needed to save the money and pay for the Texans at 2300 I think the one thing that I, I probably should have changed here with everybody being healthy with San Francisco is probably paid up to to get T. Higgins instead of Brandon Ayuk, because I think they were 100 apart, if, if memory serves, on DraftKings. I think that might have been sort of the biggest mistake. Obviously, I could have paired Cousins with 
with Thielen, but I'm, I'm not really going to call that a mistake by any means. I'm just super happy I had Joe Mixon in there, obviously, Gronkowski, the, the mini stack, Ty Johnson we already talked about. So I, I thought this was a good lineup. We thought Kirk Cousins was going to do really well. It just turns out he did really well with Adam Thielen instead of Justin Jefferson. Totally plausible scenario. Uh, again, going. I've been playing T. Higgins almost every week. The fact that I didn't play him here is a little disappointing. Yeah, I, I thought it was a really sharp play with Joe Mixon. You get him there at, at 9% ownership, too. I mentioned it last week. When they get down near the red zone, he is the guy. They are leaning heavily on Joe Mixon right now. Mike, I did want to ask you about the 49ers passing attack. Your boy, unfortunately, Debo Samuel, looks like he's going to miss uh, at least this week, maybe a couple of weeks. Do you think that Brandon Ayuk steps up in his absence, or do we just see them run the ball even more, if that's possible? Uh, I mean, yeah, I think he's certainly not going to see a decrease in role. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll see what the price point looks like. We'll see what the ownership looks like on him. But yeah, all signs indicate that he's going to be relevant again. Uh, I'll be most interested to see what happens with George Kittle if they funnel some more his way. Um, running the ball more would be like, you know, Debo Samuel's been a running back essentially <laughs> recently yeah. for them. So, uh, you know, that, that that's kind of the thing that throws a wrench in it. So, yeah, I think that Ayuk and Kittle are both uh, – very much in play going forward for that team. Yeah, look, we we spoke about the best running backs in the league getting hurt earlier in the podcast, and uh, let's just throw Debo Samuel in that mix, right? I mean, this guy looks like one of the best yeah. running backs in the league. He's been utterly ridiculous. He scored two more touchdowns this past week, and I'm expecting touchdown regression to come at some point, but man, um, he just keeps throwing it back in my face, so uh, there goes that. Mike, let's take a look at your GPP lineup here. And you put up 107.96. Jimmy G to Debo Samuel with Justin Jefferson on the bring back. You had Jamar Chase and Deontay Johnson. Uh, mini correlation here. And then you spend down at running back and tight end. You had Dontrell Hilliard, Ty Johnson, and Jeff Swaim with the Jets defense, which was actually pretty good. They put up eight points at 2% ownership. I think you had the right idea. Um in terms of game stacks and and players to target, uh, you were just off on said players, right? So Adam Thielen goes and scores two touchdowns. T. Higgins has that great uh, game as well. So I think it's the right process, just wrong results, which you know we've talked about multiple times this season. Yeah, and you mentioned you know the cash game, the lack of McCaffrey. The reason why I didn't have as much McCaffrey as you might have expected me to is I had Deontay Johnson and Jamar Chase in every single lineup, no matter what. I was so high on Jamar Chase. It did not happen. Became the T. Higgins week. Very frustrating. I wrote up T. Higgins on Sportsline. I also wrote up a little leverage play for tournaments, Leonard Fournette. And I didn't play him. I ended up <laughs> not getting on to Leonard Fournette because of Hilliard. Because of Hilliard, which Hilliard was fine and crushed, but like... I ended up with guys like Ty Johnson in there, and yeah, just a very frustrating week overall. Um, I was even excited with my play, Jeff Swain. I talked about him start as early as the Tuesday show last week as a punt tight end. He catches like one of the first passes of the game, and I'm like, all right, we are in business here. Jeff mm-hmm. Swain, my punt tight end. I think that was the only target he saw the entire game. So 1% owned, would do it every single time again. Just we, we, we didn't really get there. So what can you do? Yeah. Just a lesson learned, right? Like, follow your own advice. I I feel like I say the same thing every single year, every single week. I brought up Leonard Fournette last week and his role in the red zone in particular. You know, second in the NFL behind only Jonathan Taylor in terms of red zone opportunities this season, seeing a bunch of targets. So he has a, you know, maybe the second best role in the NFL in terms of running backs. 
uh, on a really good offense, and uh, he's he's coming through right now. Again, that is. I want to say one one thing real quick on that too, because we we saw it this week with Tom Brady. They scored th- what thirty points in that game or more, ended at ten points. We saw it earlier this year with Jalen Hurts, forty four points for the Eagles. Jalen Hurts scored ten fantasy points or eight. We saw it with Patrick. Chiefs put up thirty points. He scored eleven or ten in that week. Uh, so I think it's a good reminder that if you know that you like the team and you know that the passing attack is going to be popular, you can absolutely always get contrarian in tournaments if you're playing lots of tournaments and just pivot to the running games on these teams because um, we, we've seen it a number of weeks with high-profile teams. Like I said, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. We, we've seen it happen multiple times so far this season. Yeah, it's a really good lesson, and I wish I – and I normally do this, but I didn't do it this week – if you really are convinced that Tom Brady and, and Godwin and Gronk are the stack and, and you want to play that, most people aren't playing just one or two lineups, right? In GPP, they're picking five or ten and they're, they're just differentiating. They have a core generally, but they're differentiating even that depending on how many lineups they play. You, you could very easily make two or three lineups with that stack that you just absolutely love. But then you stack another game and you make sure you get a piece of that with Leonard Fournette. I, I know this is kind of obvious and we, we, we preach this every every week, including the preseason we did. But people just don't do it. It's, it, it's one thing to listen to it and be like, yeah, that's a good idea. It's another thing to actually put it in play, put it in practice. And so if you are making a handful of lineups, it really does make sense to do that. What, what Mike suggested on Sportsline as well with the, the Leonard Fournette play. I didn't do it. I wish I had. But if you know. Even if it's just one lineup, that lineup, that one lineup that you 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 got a different piece of that high end game, you know that can make your entire week. Yep. Last but not least, GPP. I'll mention <clears throat> this disaster that I had ninety nine point one zero. Also had that 49ers Vikings game stack with Jimmy G to Debo and Brandon Ayuk with Dalvin Cook on the bring back. I mentioned last week that I did like Dalvin Cook quite a bit, and I think he actually could have had a monster game if he had not gotten hurt. So. That sucked. And then I had Saquon Barkley with Dallas Goddard mini stack. Uh, Saquon actually looked like he had some juice on that 32-yard run up the sideline. His other 12 carries in the game went for a combined eight yards. So there you go. Uh, Dallas Goddard had one reception for zero yards, which I feel like you have to try to actually finish with a stat line like that. So that was interesting. Um, And then I wrapped this one up with Jamison Crowder and a David Johnson mini stack. Look, you probably don't want to stack games that involve the Jets or Giants, let alone do it with both of those teams in the same lineup. So I think that's probably my biggest takeaway here. Uh, The Bengals DST worked out swimmingly with 19 points at 3.8% ownership. Mike, what do you think about this lineup? Uh, Look, I think it's good. I actually had a lineup with Jamison Crowder in it. I was pretty stunned at the the usage uh, in this game. I thought he would have at least uh, four or five catches in this one, to be honest with you. So, you know, not much you can do, really. Samuel getting hurt, um, you know, another quarterback that didn't really get there. Uh, And, you know, Jimmy threw for 230 passing yards. So it wasn't like he had a, you know, 130-yard day. Like, it just didn't get there. Great job on the Bengals' defense. Um, wish I had some of that. That definitely, I mean, it's what even got you close here was that defense for sure. Yeah. Well, it would have been nice if, is if I had the Bengals in there with Joe Mixon. And normally I like to to correlate my defense with the running back, but it just it, it didn't work out with the game stacks that I was, I was playing out here. So uh, no Joe Mixon in this lineup, unfortunately. Uh, Jamison Crowder, you mentioned you played him as well. Um, coming into yep. this week, you know, he was on the field quite a bit. He was running routes all the way down to 49% snaps in Week 12. So I don't know, maybe he was dealing with something that they didn't really report, but uh, Elijah Moore, 
up to 88% of the snaps for the Jets this past week. That was a season high for him. So the rapport, not great with Zach Wilson, but at least uh, they are getting Elijah Moore on the field more, which I think is uh, a very positive thing there. If you want to play against us, this week, our FFT DFS contest on DraftKings is live for the main slate. 150 entries, $5 to enter. The top 15 gets paid out. The link is in the podcast and the YouTube description if you would like to join. And I want to give a shout out to Awill35 for taking down this week's contest. He puts up 168.14, wins $135. And if you are following along here on YouTube, youtube.com slash Fantasy football today. We're going to pull up the lineup here and quickly just run through it and see what this person did. And they go with Carson Wentz to uh, Michael Pittman with Rob Gronkowski on the bring back. And then a bunch of one-offs, Najee Harris, Deonta Foreman, Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddle was awesome. He's priced up to, I believe, 6400 now on DraftKings. Odell Beckham, the Dolphins defense, which put up uh, 23 points at 3% ownership. So really good there. Uh, and I think in hindsight... Wentz and Beckham were really sharp tournament plays. Sia, what do you think about this lineup? Uh, I, I love this lineup. Uh, it's not something I I made, and, and I don't think I, I didn't play any lineups with Najee Harris or Deontay Foreman. Uh, but I, I like it. I like the contrarian nature of it with the Dolphins defense and Waddle at 8%. By the way, A. Will 35 is a personal friend of mine. Uh, Anthony oh, nice. Willis, 35 is his number, actually. He played college football free safety for the UCF Knights. Uh, in the early 2000s, a really good, bright guy, big fan of the show. But yeah, I, this is this is different. You know, I, I I love again. I love the Dolphins defense there. Odell was super interesting. Certainly a speculative play because you know, got Van Jefferson in there too, and of course Cooper Cup. But I, I like I liked Odell Beckham's price, so I think that definitely made sense in a GPP in a tournament like this. Keenan Allen makes sense from a volume standpoint. We've already talked about Pittman and Gronk, so yeah, I, I think it's a great lineup. Yeah, nice. Again, uh, Odell Beckham for me, it's you just get different off of Cooper Cup, and uh, I don't. Cooper Cup was not as popular as he has been, rightfully so, because of that salary. But you get a piece of that game, uh, obviously, with Odell Beckham at much lower salary there, uh, just five k last week. And I also want to give a congrats to M Tarzia, who won our Thanksgiving contest, dropped one hundred and seventy one points in that one. So really, really massive, uh, massive game there for M. Tarzi. Not the greatest week for the Don Sneaky Picks. He had Miles Sanders and Melvin Gordon, but I can confirm he's back in the lab. He's got a few things up his sleeve. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll move on to week 13 here. Fantasy Football Today, DFS. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, so let's take a look at week 13 pricing, and there are four teams on a bye this week. The Browns, the Packers, the Titans, 
and the Panthers. We're looking at an 11-game main slate, which includes no Cowboys, no Chiefs, and no Buffalo Bills. Each of those teams are playing a game in primetime this week, so we will not have them on the main slate. We have two games over a 50-point total as of now. That's the Chargers at the Bengals and the Bucks at the Falcons. The Washington football team at the Raiders currently checks in just below 50 at 49 and a half. We have two double-digit spreads with the Rams minus 13 hosting the Jaguars and the Bucks laying 11 points at the Atlanta Falcons. Let's start at the quarterback position. Five quarterbacks at 7K or higher on DraftKings this week, uh, and this is in descending order. Lamar Jackson, Kyle, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, and Jalen Hurts. The early projections that I have seen favor Brady at Atlanta and Jalen Hurts at the Jets, though Hurts... Hertz's status is in question uh, because of an ankle injury right now. So, Mike, what do you think about the quarterback position? Any of these names up top catch your eye? Uh, I mean, look, Tom Brady catches my eye. I think it could be a good spot for him to come back and go ahead and throw all the touchdowns in, kind of like we were expecting last week when Leonard Fournette got to run them in. So seems like an obvious spot where the field will chase Leonard Fournette points in a game where they should win easily. Um, so yeah, I, I like Tom Brady at the top. I like Lamar Jackson against the Steelers. Uh, I think he's going to run the ball a lot in that one, but my, my two favorite quarterbacks are in the same game and I, I don't think it's going to be particularly surprising. It's going to be Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Uh, I can't wait to stack that game and the price point 6,300 for Joe Burrow, 67 for Justin Herbert. I will likely be taking the savings, uh, over the guys at the top, but I, I will almost definitely have a Tom Brady tournament lineup. Yeah, those early projections really favoring that uh, Chargers-Bengals game as of now, just up and down the line. I mean, from the quarterbacks, the running backs with Mixon and Eckler, the wide receivers, obviously. You know, we talk about every single week, Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins. There's a lot of options in that game, rightfully so. I think it's going to be pretty popular. A cheaper option that stood out to me, Derek Carr. He's at 6K, and he's going up against the Washington football defense, which... Hey, they just made Russell Wilson look, you know, okay. He's threw two touchdowns, and, you know, look, Russell Wilson, who is that guy? I mean, he's pretty bad. Uh, Sia, what do you think about the quarterback position? Who stands out to you? Uh, I would, first of all, I, I agree with Burrow. I, I, I prefer Burrow over Justin Herbert. So I'll start there. Uh, Kirk Cousins at Detroit uh, for 6,500. I think that's a, a really good one. There could be some back and forth in that. And Cousins may lean on the passing game just a little bit more without Dalvin Cook. I know Alexander Madison is, is a perfect uh, replacement, but. Uh, that secondary can get torched. I, I think it could be another good game for Cousins. Once we go lower, I think Carson Wentz at Houston, 6,100. Tua at, at home against the Giants at 5,500. And just as a flyer, Tyrod at home against um, – I'm, I'm trying to remember who they play. But at, Tyrod at 5,300. Oh, they're at home against the Indianapolis Colts. So I, I like both quarterbacks in that game. Wentz a little bit more. But if I, if I had to sort of rank right now, it would probably be Burrow – it would be Cousins and maybe Carson Wentz. I will absolutely, Brady's in there too. I will absolutely be playing Brady again though. Yeah, it sounds like as of now, uh, a lot of living in the mids here with Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. You mentioned Carson Wentz. Uh, Derek Carr, again, he's someone that, that stands out to me. I did want to mention on FanDuel, Matthew Stafford, uh, potential value. He's the sixth highest priced quarterback on that site, whereas he is the third highest on DraftKings. So just comparatively getting some discount there on Matthew Stafford going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. How much will they actually have to pass? 
I don't know, but I kind of feel like this is a statement game for the Rams. You know, they've lost mm. the past couple of games. Maybe they go out there and he just absolutely stomped the Jaguars and he just kind of like let Stafford s- sling it around a little bit. Uh, Agree. I think, I think Agree that's, a, that. that's definitely a possibility there. Let's move on to the running back position. One running back alone at the top now that there is no Christian McCaffrey. Jonathan Taylor, 9,200 going up against the Houston Texans. So, uh, could could be pretty popular if you're if you're talking about which which player am I spending up for this week? Uh, Jonathan Taylor, I think, uh, could be popular. Two others over AK with Austin Eckler, eighty three hundred. Joe Mixon, eighty one hundred. Mentioned that they are facing off against each other in that game, and we have a bunch of injury situations to Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Swift, Daryl Henderson, Miles Sanders, J.D. McKissick. We'll monitor these throughout the course of the entire week. Uh, but Mike Madison. Alexander Madison, someone we liked quite a bit early on in the year when when Cook missed time, uh, he's priced all the way up to seventy six hundred. So that seems appropriate, if nothing else. Yeah, it's definitely appropriate. They have, I guess, learned their lesson, if that's what you want to say. Uh, they they definitely caught it in time and were able to price him appropriately. I think it makes him super interesting in tournaments now, just because of that price point. Um, you know, people will come after me for saying this, but I don't think there's really a skill gap between. Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison um, just throws in the argument that running backs really don't matter much and they are a product of their environment. And I believe that uh, to be true in this particular case. So I treat Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook as if they are truly equal. Um, So if you would play Dalvin Cook at 7,600, I would play Alexander Madison at 7,600. Might seem a little extreme, but the good news is, is when you're doing that, you're certainly getting a discount on the ownership at that price. Um, Obviously, Dalvin Cook at that price would be higher on. So I do like him, but as far as running backs this week, like Eli Mitchell and Jamal Williams are popping up in 100% of builds when I I run initially. Um, There are four players across the slate, not just running backs, two running backs, uh, receivers, tight ends that are in 100% of builds. So the chalk this week is going to be very, very heavy. Yeah, and you know when you were talking about Madison right now, you reminded me of something that you spoke about earlier this season, and uh, it was a point that I wanted to make about Kirk Cousins. And when Dalvin Cook is out, it doesn't force the Vikings to be more pass centric, but it almost allows them to do it uh, without taking any flack. Right. So we know that he has great pass catchers with Thielen, just Justin Jefferson, Tyler Conklin has been fine this year. But I think it's a good point that you brought up, see that you like Kirk Cousins there, uh, and maybe we see him pass a little bit more now that Dalvin Cook is dealing with this injury. A few other of these um, injury situations: Antonio Gibson. If J.D. McKissick does not play. He is going to see more targets, and he now has three games coming off the bye with 24, 19, and 29 carries, respectively, in those three games. Just had seven targets, seven receptions on Monday Night Football for Antonio Gibson. So at 5,700, I like him quite a bit. Uh, Eli Mitchell definitely popping up at 6K there. Uh, I thought James Conner, too, worth a mention at the Bears, 5,900. I don't think Chase Edmonds... He's either eligible to be back, but I, I don't think that he's going to be back yet. See, what do you think about the running back position? I agree with you. I don't think Chase Edmonds is going to be back. We'll have to see on Kyler, who I, I believe is going to be back. I'm not so sure about DeAndre Hopkins. Another guy, by the way, who is just, you know, been injured the whole year you know it's another one of the top eight receivers at least in year-long drafts uh just going to that point in the beginning of the show i like connor quite a bit at 5900 uh gibson's going to be really chalky for good reason you're right 36 touches yesterday and he was really efficient with them because he hasn't really been that efficient um but he's he's certainly been efficient uh as, as of yesterday 
And at Las Vegas, I think he can get it done for sure. He'll probably play the third down back because their their third their third back uh, Patterson is not really a pass catching back. So I think that's all going to go to Gibson. So much for that shin injury. Uh, up at the top, I do like JT at Houston. Jonathan Taylor, um, Eckler is certainly in play. Mixon's probably my, my favorite up top at 8100. I certainly think Joe Burrow can get it done in this game, but I also think Mixon can, and I think they both can can survive a game if you want to pair them up as well. Uh, let's see, a, a couple other guys to mention is Sony Michelle because we don't know what Daryl H- Henderson's uh, injury status is. So Sony Michelle at 4,300 is obviously going to offer you some value. Um, but Jamal Williams, I agree. I think Mike brought up Jamal Williams at 5,400 with DeAndre Swift almost certainly out. Uh, there's a ton of value kind of like in that 57 or 5,900 and below range. Yep. And another name to mention there, if Miles Sanders is out, I know the Eagles can be unpredictable, but... Boston Scott, 4,600, would be the main running back, or we would at least expect him to be that, going up against the Jets' defense, which, again, is quite bad, and they've struggled against running backs all season long. For FanDuel, wanted to mention Leonard Fournette, 7,700, Antonio Gibson, 6,200. Those are two names popping up earlier there. Obviously, on FanDuel, half PPR, touchdowns matter more, and the role that Leonard Fournette has is just so valuable in that type of format. The wide receiver position, one wide receiver right at 9K. That is Cooper Cup going up against the Jaguars. We could have, uh, we do have one more over 8K, and that is Justin Jefferson at 8,200 at the Lions. And this kind of just feeds into what I just said, but I think we could see just a massive game from Justin Jefferson in this spot. Uh, some optimizer love in the mids here. Uh, once again, the Chargers-Bengals game, Keenan Allen, 7,500, Jamar Chase, 7K, definitely popping up here. Mike, what do you think about the wide receiver position? Yeah, so I'm very interested on Cooper Cup. I think I'm going to end up being out again. Um, I like him. I, obviously, it's a great matchup for him. I think that they use it as an opportunity to get Odo Beckham even more targets, even more involved in that offense. It's just a, it projects as a good spot to do so. Um, so I don't think I'm going to get up to him at 9K because of that game you mentioned. Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen, going to be very popular, but also going to be very key parts. Uh, I like Jalen Waddle against the Giants. Justin Jefferson is one that's going to be difficult for me to get to. Um, th- they should win this game. He's a classic example of one where I like to tie in the sports betting side. I will likely be taking his over on his receiving yards as a prop bet and covering myself that way mm-hmm. if he goes there's a chance he's right at that line. I can cash that. He doesn't hurt me badly in DFS. If he has the kind of day that hurts me badly in DFS, I'm going to at least cash that player prop. So he's projecting as one that I'm going to do that with. Um, but at, it's at the top. It's Keenan Allen, Jamar Chase. And then for me, Deontay Johnson. Um, he's going to get force-fed against that Ravens defense. Yeah, Deontay Johnson, 6,800, I believe, on DraftKings this week. And... Uh, Pat Fryermuth in concussion protocol. So if he can't go, you know, Fryermuth has been a reliable target for Big Ben. That would just mean more concentrated targets for Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. And I imagine Najee Harris would get even more involved in the pass game once again if Fryermuth were out. So mid-tier standouts, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, if he does play, he has not played since week eight dealing with that hamstring injury. He's 6,200, which is just really cheap. I know they spread the ball around, uh, but... That defense is not very good. They just allowed a touchdown to Josh Reynolds on uh, Thanksgiving. Devontae Smith going up against the Jets. Got to make sure Jalen Hurts plays there, dealing with that ankle injury, but he is 6,100. Hunter Renfro, still just 5,800, had a massive game on Thanksgiving going up against the Washington football team. Brandon Ayuk is 5,600, likely no Debo Samuel. And uh, I know that you mentioned OBJ, 
Mike, but he is dealing with a hit pointer. We'll see if he could play. If he were out for whatever reason, I think Van Jefferson at 5,300 makes some sense there as well. See, what do you think? Mid-tier, upper-tier, wide receiver position. What do you think? Yeah, I, if OBJ is out, I, I really do like Van Jefferson at 5,300. I agree with the notion that like Stafford's probably fed up and probably can live in this game kind of doing whatever he wants. So I think three to four touchdowns is in play, regardless of what the score is. Uh, up top, yeah, I like Jefferson the most. I, I think Thielen is expensive enough for me to be off him, and I'll just take the chance on Jefferson again. I think you could double stack it if you wanted to and maybe win a GPP, but it's Jefferson for me there. I think going back to Godwin makes sense because I will be doing some time Brady stacks. We, we do have to wait and see about Antonio Brown's status. I think I'll play Godwin even if Antonio Brown is active, but I bring him up because I think the offense is going to run so much more efficiently once Antonio Brown is back. So that's just an edge to Tom Brady, uh, even more of a reason to play him this week if Antonio Brown is back. I think Lockett is good in GPPs as a leverage play. He's at home against San Francisco. Listen, I know Russ looks terrible, but the one thing he's shown he's been able to do is just throw it up to the middle of the field and let Lockett run under it. Whereas Metcalf, it's a little bit of a different story. He's trying to hit him at at the top end of a route, and it's just just not working out. Uh, Lockett, I think, could actually kind of win a GPP for you, potentially. Agree on Waddle. Agree on T. Higgins. Uh, Mike Williams, if if you're stacking that Cincinnati-LA Chargers game at 5,700, makes a lot of sense. Brandon Ayuk with Debo out at 5,600. There's not a lot of value that I'm seeing at the wide receiver position. We'll we'll talk more about that on Thursday. But I think Rashad Bateman at Pittsburgh is certainly in play at 4,900. And I think T.Y. Hilton at Houston. Speaking of games where you're, you know, you're trying to get a guy more involved, like you mentioned with OBJ, T.Y. Hilton had five targets last week. He caught four of them. Not a ton of yards, but he did have a touchdown. And we did talk about him last week. I think at 4,400, if you're going to take a shot, that one might be one to that makes some sense. I love it. I love it. We mentioned earlier in the season, T.Y. Hilton, he feasts on the Houston Texans. No matter what year it is, what season, what injury he's dealing with, who his quarterback is, it does not matter. T.Y. Hilton loves playing against the Houston Texans for whatever reason. And he played them earlier this season. Went four for 80, which is actually a pretty good game for T.Y. Hilton at this point. See, you mentioned no value. I have two wide receivers under 3,300 that oh. I don't hate. Laquan wow. Treadwell at 3,200. No, eight, you didn't. 86% That's of the snaps. That's exactly what I was about to say. <laughs> I was holding my hand up. I was going to tell you, Treadwell. I love it. 86% of the snaps. He played. Uh, he ran 38 routes on 45 dropbacks. Uh, former first-round pick. Uh, he's bounced around a little bit. Zay Jones is the other one, 3,200. He, uh, he played 69% of the snaps, 31 routes last week on 49 dropbacks. He had seven targets. Uh, we're second on the team. Sorry, Mike. I stole your thunder with uh, with the Laquan Treadwell there. Tight end. We have Mark Andrews up top at 6K. We have George Kill at 5,900. No Debo Samuel in that game. But I think a lot of people will flock to the injury replacements, and that includes Foster Moreau at 2,700. It sounds like Darren Waller will be out. And uh, no Dan Arnold. He's out for, I believe it's four to six weeks. James O'Shaughnessy ran a ton of routes last week. Not good, but he's going to be on the field. The Jaguars are always chasing points, and he's 2,600. So that is uh, more than half the battle, I would say. Mike, what do you think about tight end? Yeah, you mentioned him there. I mean, it's likely, you know, I basically told you we want pieces of that Bengals game. It's going to be a lot of Jamar Chase. You're going to want Keenan Allen. You might want some Deontay Johnson. You might want some Jonathan Taylor. Um, It's definitely a week where you're paying down unless you're stacking Rob Gronkowski with Tom Brady. Um, other than that, I think it's pretty clear Foster Moreau and then O'Shaughnessy. Um, you know, I strongly prefer Foster Moreau over O'Shaughnessy to start, 
but uh, both of them are going to be at the top. And then I suppose if you want to get a little different, I think it's an excellent time to buy low on Dallas Goddard, um, especially if Miles Sanders is actually hurt. Um, possibly a wake-up call for them that they need to win this game. Possibly they throw them the ball. He has more than one receiving yard in the game. But uh, So I think it's an interesting time to buy back in on Dallas Goddard. And I think that that is a fair call going up against the Jets defense who did allow a touchdown to a tight end last week. I believe it was the Tuesday podcast where you brought up Farrow Brown uh, as a possibility there, Mike. But it was Brevin Jordan who scored a touchdown for the Texans. So, uh, yeah, the Jets defense is a mess. Um, so Dallas Goddard going up against them could be a pretty, pretty solid start there. See you. What do you think? Last time we saw Foster Moreau without Darren Waller, he went six for 60 and a touchdown. It was against the Eagles, which is, you know, the best matchup for tight ends. What do you think? Yeah, I like Foster Moreau because of the price. I mean, he'll definitely get some volume. The upside may be limited, but maybe not. I, I like him at 2,700. O'Shaughnessy at 2,600 certainly makes sense as punts. Um, sort of in that punchish range, I think Jack Doyle makes a lot of sense. I, I suppose the game script could get away from him a little bit, but Listen, last week, Jack Doyle was really leaned on. I mean, I think a few weeks ago, we weren't sure how much Jack Doyle run we'd get with Mo Alley-Cox and some of the other tight ends that are involved in that offense. But six catches on seven targets for 81 yards and a touchdown at 3,300 is pretty good. Uh, Cole Komet, I've really never played all season, but I can't deny the fact that he's getting a ton of targets. So uh, against Arizona... If he could get, if he gets, if he gets another eleven targets, even if he gets another eight targets, I think that's great. Uh, obviously, Jimmy Graham is getting some of the touchdown work, which is unfortunate, but I think that'll regress back to Cole Komet here and there. Logan Thomas at four thousand. If you want to take the gamble and be early on him, and I'll say this: I think paying up for George Kittle makes sense this week. I do like to punt and save money at the tight end position. But I think George Kittle at 5900 is a very reasonable price. And because Debo is out, we know that they're likely going to be relying on guys like Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle a little bit more. All right, let's quickly wrap up here. Thursday Night Football Showdown, the Cowboys at the Saints. The Cowboys are four-and-a-half-point favorites with a 47-and-a-half-point total. Doesn't sound good for Amari Cooper right now, who is still dealing with the effects of COVID. Uh, Jerry Jones said on Tuesday that Ezekiel Elliott will have, quote, a serious load against the New Orleans Saints, even though he's dealing with that injury. So not really sure how smart that is. And on the Saints side, it looks like uh, Taysom Hill will start at quarterback and Alvin Kamara could finally return to the lineup. He was limited in practice on Monday. Did not see Tuesday's practice report yet. Mike, what do you think about this game? Any early plays that are standing out on showdown? Yeah, I mean, Taysom Hill's the obvious uh, the obvious play here. Um, I think that he really helps his team, but the usage that he will see both in the run and the passing game on a, on a one-game slate. Um, as far as that, we, we need information. Like Tony Jones Jr., only 800 bucks. Uh, he's going to be in play again if Ingram and Kamara, one of them is out, both of them out. Like It's... Amari Cooper, we just we don't have enough injury news yet, unfortunately, on a showdown slate to really build intelligent lineups at this point. But I'll be playing a lot of uh, Taysom Hill. I can tell you that he's definitely. I think it's a huge spot for them. I think he makes the team better. As crazy as that sounds, so. Uh, CD yeah. Lamb, I'll quickly mention he was yeah. a full participant in practice, so it looks like he's going to be good to go. Cedric Wilson dealing with an ankle injury did not practice, so if Cedric Wilson were out. If Amari Cooper were out, uh, the next man up is Noah Brown, I believe. And he is, I believe, 600, yeah, $600 on the slate. Would obviously be, be very popular. See, what do you think about this game? 
Uh, I, lo- I love those low-end receivers, by the way. Uh, Noah Brown, uh, Michael Gallup, I don't want to call him low-end. But but with uh, CeeDee Lamb being a full participant, I definitely want to play him. But I think some of those lower-end receivers make a lot of sense to make your lineup work. And I will say this, just we, we did just get a practice report on Mark Ingram. He was a full participant on Tuesday, so it looks like he's a definitely a go. Alvin Kamara remained limited at Tuesday's practice. I suspect he'll go as well. So it looks like... Uh, Mark Ingram is a definite, and Alvin Kamara is more of a probable than anything else. All right, some good information there. Let's wrap it up. For Sia and Mike, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Football today. DFS will be back again on Thursday to deep dive each game on the Week 13 main slate. We will see you then.